And we are live on ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com. And right now we are, ladies and gentlemen, live on Facebook Live. And good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, moms and dads, children of all ages. Welcome to Living on a Thin Line with Tony Visick. We come to you six days a week, 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. We are your daily distraction by the anger, anxiety, weirdness, and hoopla in the world today. Uh, unless we are uh, angered or have anxiety or are distracted <laughs> ourselves. Then we just feed it right back to you. Uh, we come to you normally on three platforms, ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com, which I'm pleased to say we are back on today. So if you simply want to listen, if you don't want to look at my mug, uh, go to ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com, where we're currently streaming live and of course, the show will then be downloaded for uh, future generations. Uh, I think you can hear it on um, ComedySchools.com too. I have to double check. I know that our Twitter feed is, co- uh, is connected to uh, ComedySchools.com. And I believe Comedy Schools Radio Network, is it? Or tw- so uh, our t- we, we don't use Twitter a lot, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> which is, you know, Probably a good idea right now. Uh, We don't use it a lot. We use it for some things just to promote some stuff. But I decided that was one rabbit hole. The reason we're not on Twitter a lot is because I just said it was one rabbit hole I was not going to go down. Uh, If I was going to combine Facebook with Twitter and Instagram, I would just, they'd find me dead with my phone uh, welded into my hand someplace. Because what happened? He starved to death just looking at his phone. So um, uh, I kind of curtailed that. Although we do advertise shows etc and occasionally put things up there on twitter but uh all that stuff you could you can listen to us on those platforms comedyschools.com comedyschoolsradionetwork.com where a lot of great interviews from the past are housed as well so uh we oftentimes come to you on youtube on comedy schools we'll be back with that tomorrow tomorrow youtube's tomorrow we're only a day uh, And, uh, of course, right here on Facebook Live. The show is uh, uh, normally on three platforms. It's built around three things. Your questions and comments right here on the aforementioned social media sites. Along with, uh, sometimes we have some knick-knack or doodad that we show you. uh, uh, Sometimes a bobblehead uh, or a football uh, or something like that. uh, That we show you and we try to weave a personal story around. Um... And also, we recommend one artist or one piece of music from our vast vinyl album and compact disc collection. And I've got a fun one for you today. One of my personal favorites from when, from my ute, from my ute. What's a ute? Um, if you think about what's a ute, y'all know what I'm talking about when I say that? It's Fred Gwynn in uh, My Cousin Vinny playing the judge. Fred Gwynn was massively popular as playing the father, Herman Munster, in The Munsters. But it's probably better remembered for playing the courtly yet stern Southern judge in My Cousin Vinny. And at one point when Joe Pesci is uh, arguing case, he goes, Yana, the two Utes in questions. He goes, did you say yeet? He goes, yeah, the two Utes. He goes, what's a yeet? Uh, it's probably uh, one of those lines along with, I'm going to make him an offer you can't refuse, that gets etched in people's minds whenever they... Um, First encounter, these uh, celluloid delights. Um, today is Sunday. Uh, what is, is it January 10th or 11th? Does anybody know? It's January 10th. January 10th. On January 12th, I will be applying for, 
The second round of the PPP loan. This is a uh, forgivable loan, supposedly. Uh, yeah, that's right, Jeff Pines. You're right. He was in car 54. Where are you, too? But that, I, I'm going to digress for a minute. When I was a little kid, that was on for a short period of time, Fred Gwynn and a stand-up comic, I forget his name, Jeff, if you know, please post it, who uh, played a couple of hapless uh, comical uh, patrolmen. And uh, the uh, not Fred Gwynn, but his partner had the uh, catchphrase, ooh, ooh, I got an idea, I got an idea. So uh, that was a fun show. Uh, right after that, Fred Gwynn was in the Munsters, and then many years later in My Cousin Vinny. So like I said, I'll be applying for the loan. Uh, the rules are stricter this time, as they should be. And we'll see if we'll get it. But um, some things are going to have to happen to uh, get the economy out of this second hole. We are so close, aren't we, ladies and gentlemen, on so many things. Ten days away from a new administration. A vaccine being rolled out and now um, being rolled out more aggressively now, but will be uh, rolled out in a much more aggressive factor with the new administration. Um, a new... Um, uh, uh, a new government program to help individuals and businesses, along with the promise of a larger one uh, shortly thereafter. We're so close. We're so close to not to the promised land, but we're so close to at least getting back on that road again, picking ourselves up from this deep ditch that America fell off into uh, almost a year ago now. I, it, a lot of us saw the ditch coming. A lot of us knew that if a big thing happened, and I was never thinking pandemic, war, economic collapse, uh, major civil uh, unrest, that uh, the current commander-in-chief of the United States of America could not handle it because all he could ever do his whole life was come in to something already existing when times were good and try to ride that way, but then screw it up. Screwed up the United States Football League. Screwed up Atlantic City. They screwed up so many things. The only thing he was successful at, and he was successful, uh, was uh, uh, being a uh, television personality uh, on um, The Apprentice and Celebrity Apprentice. Now, I never watch his shows. I don't like those shows. I didn't like him. I thought he was a weasel then. I thought he was a weasel before almost anyone knew who he was. I just knew the guy was a weasel. And I also knew, if you're watching people, I go, this guy will screw up the big one. When the big one happens, he won't be able to handle it. And uh, not only that, he has fallen apart in a way that I didn't think that he would. Not to this depth. Not to this depth. I mean, he totally mishandled the pandemic. He, you know, he made a bet and the bet failed. His bet was, we'll roll out a vaccine fast enough that it won't affect the country in a demonstrable way. We'll be able to go about our business uh, the way we were pre-pandemic. That bet didn't work. It didn't work. He didn't take the wheel. When the pandemic hit, Donald Trump didn't take the wheel. He kept on about, you drive, you drive, you drive. You oh, look, you went off in the ditch. That's your fault. No, no, you drive, you drive, you drive. Oh, I don't like the way you're driving. So he didn't take the wheel. And then, of course, when he lost the election, he uh, crashed the car right in. Then he goes, let me take the wheel. And he crashed the, uh, the car right into a brick wall. Uh, the big news right now uh, of course, we've been on and talking about the uh, insurrection, the riot, the attempted uh, uh, revolution that took place in the United States Capitol. You realize it wouldn't take much. Do you understand that? That a more organized effort to simultaneously attack a majority of the state capitals and the U.S. Capitol 
okay, and be able to grab the reins of power to hold uh, individuals hostage. Um, uh, that horrible, nightmarish thought could achieve a coup. Coups are slow moving. I've talked about this a hundred times. When Rome finally fell in 476, I was reading a book, uh, uh, The Barbarian Invasions of Rome, one of those big, thick books that you read. So do you think if you read a big, thick book, then you'll be one of those smart guys that read big, thick books, but you got to read it like nine times to understand it because you're not a big, thick book guy. But uh, one of the passages stuck out was how many, so many people in Western Rome, because it was Western Rome that fell, uh, still went on with normal life, you know, uh, farming, paying their taxes, raising their family, occasionally being raped and pillaged by uh, marauding barbarians or Roman soldiers, and then went back to farming. So it was a, num- it was a while before the entire Western Ro- Roman Empire collapsed. And remember what happened. So I was thinking about this last night because I was reading about the barbarian invasions of Rome, which is more complicated than anybody realizes unless you read about it. What came after Rome? Rome, in our mind's eye, we think of it as decadence and weirdness and a lot of guys in tunics and a lot of girls with horny faces and uh, uh, people being killed by animals in a coliseum. That's how we think about Rome. And somehow them all have an inexplicably British accent. Has a Roman senator. That's how we think of Rome. Rome was actually quite different, even in the way they often dressed. What came after the fall of Rome, good or bad, Rome was the best shot at civilization that Europe had. What came after it was a thousand years of darkness, the Dark Ages. Now, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, okay? And I think we're on it now. I hope we're on it as far as dealing with uh, uh, those uh, still bands of uh, of, uh, weirdos, geeks, and freaks that are going, it's my country, you know what? I left Nancy Pelosi a quarter, (laughs) huh? And we all, they also revealed themselves to be stupid. Linwood is stupid. Okay, Michael Flynn is stupid. Donald Trump may or may not be stupid, but he appeals to people's stupidity. So now uh, the big question is, um, the, uh, uh, after that earth-shattering event, and it was an earth-shattering event, and we're still really kind of processing it, aren't we? New video coming in. People go, well, you know, they, just, they walked in there and went to the gift shop and didn't pay. That's all that happened. No! Five people died. A police officer was killed. Okay, sacked and looted. Computers removed. The big news after that was finally the big tech companies went, oh my God, we have become the communication wing of an armed insurrection of the United States of America. And by the way, they knew that they were the communication wings of insurrections and revolutions some time back because we saw that during what was known as the Arab Spring. We never thought it was going to be used against us as we watched uh, uh, people's revolutions in uh, Arabic countries in the Mideast rise up, and the way that they organized was on social media. Well, the right wing organized on social media. That's how they had such a turnout. But now social media is uh, fighting back. Uh, Twitter, of course, permanently banning the President of the United States. Uh, Google and uh, Amazon and Apple not only uh, removing parlor, but removing them from servers. You know, a constant kind of whack-a-mole thing going on right now because there's other ways they can uh, communicate. Before, there was, uh, before they started thinking they were legitimate, there was Reddit, there was 4chan, there's subgroups, there's the dark web. 
you know, and they will be there, if not the leaders. They will be there, and it's going to have to be monitored. So then, of course, what uh, the right wing is screaming about right now is they took the president off Twitter and they're shitting on Paul and this is squelching freedom of speech. And I have, um, I have some thoughts on that that I'm going to share with you right now. Okay? I'm going to share with you my thoughts on this freedom of speech issue. I have always been a big freedom of speech guy in principle. The exchange of good ideas and bad ideas, but primarily good ideas. The hope is through enlightened self-interest, the good ideas will overshadow the bad ideas and civilization will progress. History shows us otherwise. But I've always been a free speech guy. As a matter of fact, my heroes of the 50s and 60s in entertainment, Lenny Bruce and uh, even like Jim Morrison of The Doors refusing to change a song for uh, the Ed Sullivan show. They, they sound minor, but these were major things. Free speech was squelched during the uh, first pandemic in 1918. There was a news blackout because of a war. Free speech was changed in the 1930s because of a priest named Father Coughlin. Coughlin. Father Coughlin was the first guy to be able to really effectively use mass media in the United States. He was a priest who went on the radio in 1927. And initially, initially a uh, <coughs> spiritual broadcast slowly shifted into being a support for Franklin Delano Roosevelt. But around 1934-35, it shifted away from Franklin Delano Roosevelt and became pro-Germany, anti-Semitic and did what a lot of populist movements did. He was for <coughs> a lot of things, eight-hour work day. He said he was for, you know, he appealed. He appealed to struggling people, but overarchingly, he was pro-fascism. And eventually, that's why you have to have a radio license now. There were laws changed so that before, before that, you didn't need a license to have a radio station, just had a radio station. There was licensing involved, other things, until Father Coughlin was never told you cannot speak, was never arrested for the words he used, but found it almost impossible to be on the radio until finally the Catholic Church themselves, especially as we entered into World War II and were uh, pressured by the United States government, told him, if you're going to remain a priest, you can no longer be on the radio, you can still be a pastor, and that's what Father Coughlin chose to do, and he died in 1979. He spent the rest of his life as a parish priest uh, in the upper Midwest, but in the 20s and 30s, he was the raging voice of populism. People loved him, and he was pro, and he started out being pro-people, pro what some people would say socialist, but quickly shifted to being fascist, authoritarian, anti-Semitic. So the country has gone through this before because radio was as a shocking and stunning and exciting and new in the 1920s and early 1930s as social media is now. And the rules are still being worked out. No one is putting anyone in jail for the words they say. Look, Facebook could take me off anytime. They could just go, you know what? We don't like what he's saying to take me off. It's their company. I wouldn't like it. I'd scream bloody murder. I would find out what I had to do to get back on. But 
it's their company. Now, they could pass a rule saying Facebook is uh, forced to uh, carry uh, any speech of any matter. Uh, and then, of course, since speech can also be um, uh, physical expression, then uh, Facebook could be forced to carry pornography, which they choose not to do. So there's always some rules. Now, I've been in the entertainment business since 1985. I will tell you a story. And I went in and go, well, this is free speech. I went into stand-up comedy rather idealistically, to be honest with you. Uh, I thought, wow, a place where you could express your ideas and make enough money maybe to live in the Hollywood Hills. <laughs> and I did a lot of uh, uh, social commentary comedy, and I wasn't very good at it because it was brand new, and I didn't know what I was doing. And I also, because um, I was raised working class, Roman Catholic, inner city, I, and I still do, use the word fuck a lot. Hey, fucking this. Hey, fucking that. How you fucking doing? Way too much. Sometimes I listen to playback of something I said. I go, my God, do I say that that often? But I do. Okay? And I use it a lot on stage because I also use it when I'm scared or angry. Some clubs didn't mind. Some didn't care. It overshadowed a lot of my jokes. My mentors would tell me, man, you just say that too much. It's overshadowing your jokes. After all, that's all we hear. And I go, I, I'm trying to cut back. So there was a chain that um, was very good for me and good to me in the late 80s that one day called me up. Not one day. They'd called me a couple times before and said, Tony, and the guy who owned this chain, huge chain in the Southeast, said, Tony, Brad, hey, listen, I'm going to have this for six months. I go, what is this, high school? He goes, no, it's worse than that, buddy. It's business. You know, and uh, what I do is I book all these clubs all over the place, and I book you, I love you, you're funny, okay, but you just say fuck too much. I go, the other guys are saying it. He goes, well, you're in the deep south, Tony, and you talk fast, and you sound like you're from New York, and it ain't ringing right. He goes, now you're going to have to cut it back. But I, in order not to lose a couple clubs, I had to tell him, I'm going to suspend you for six months. And so for six months, I could not work for this chain. Man, I was angry. Man, I was pissed. Man, I was hurt. Oh, I raged at anybody who was around me. Six months later, I called them and went, okay, can I come back now? And they said, yes. And I did not use that word on their stage. Did it change my ideas? No. Did it change my act for the better? Yes, but that was not the purpose. Did it change how I thought or how I felt or what I wanted to express? No. Should it be illegal to say that word? No. But could that change? choose not to hire me and remove me from those stages even some that went we don't care what he says yes they could and they did now what strikes a lot of people the new when i was young uh what strikes them as funny now is my rep people in writing workshop uh, people in writing workshop uh, people in writing workshops uh, people in writing workshops and performance workshops how to be able to work uh, clean. And there's a reason for that, because since most people are abysmal when they start, including myself, for a lot longer than a lot of the, the young new comics are nowadays, uh, anything that is vile or pornographic or scatological or uh, words of that nature uh, stick out like sore thumbs and overshadow even the most minor uh, amount of growth. So I preach against it. I book a lot of entertainment in the greater Phoenix area. I've booked entertainment all over the country. And I've got a reputation as someone who works with the people who are buyers to make sure they get the type of entertainment they want. Now, I could choose. They go, well, we want really clean, totally, totally G-rated. And I could go, all right, I'm not going to work with you. you, uh, you I'm not going to work with you as a buyer because I don't think, um, I think that's wrong. 
I could choose not to. I could choose not to do that. But if I choose to do it, then I hire entertainers. And I tell them, these are the rules of this gig. I go, you don't have to take the gig. Now, almost to a man or woman, they all take the gig. Okay? All right? Those are the rules. And if they break the rules, then I don't hire them anymore. It's not a freedom of speech issue. That's just an economic issue. That's just a a deal. It's a contract issue. A buyer tells me we want them to be clean. I accept that contract. I tell the artist to be clean. They accept that contract. If anywhere along the way, from post-buyer all the way through us, if we break that contract, then the buyer has a right to not use me anymore, uh, not live up to the agreement, and same thing on my end. So in a way, I've been a censor without meaning to be a censor. My goal has always been, how do, I be as, how do I get them to be funny without censoring them? How do I make it where an anonymous comic who no one knows, working to the general public, can be funny for everybody in the room, and not just 10, 15, 20% of them, based on language or uh, uh, strong you know, sexual, sexuality or violence? By the way, I've hired some of the strongest X-rated comics in the world, and anybody who's ever seen me knows that I kind of work in my natural state as a stand-up comic as a hard R. Never really changed from it, and that's just my state of mind. These people who are being banned from Parlor, Parlor itself, other things will find. By the way, Parlor just banned Lynn Wood. So Parlor goes, we're being censored, yet then they censor Lynn Wood, which they should because he's calling for the execution of the Vice President of the United States. Here's what always happens. Somebody always screws up a good deal. Don't you get it? Somebody always screws up. Somebody always fucks up freedom. There, there's the word, and it's appropriate in its use right there. Somebody always does. We had this open field of wild and crazy social media, and then people started using it to traffic kids and heroin Now, put together armed insurrections of the United States of America. And now, people have to step in and go, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. And in that process, there will be some overstepping. In the 1930s, Hollywood finally realized it had to police itself or there are going to be laws passed. And movies changed dramatically from 1932 to 1935, in content, in tenor, in tone, what they could or could not represent. Dramatically. That's because of people complaining. So we're in an odd spot here. And here's my suggestion to you. If you have a point of view that is unpopular, I want to hear it. If you have a point of view that is controversial, I want to hear it, okay? Find a way to say it. That requires some intelligence. Find a way not just to incite, but to influence in a positive way. All right, man, man, I didn't mean to go on that long with all that stuff today, but, you know, I was watching on the news. I was down, I was cutting down a tree in my yard. Any of you watching me know that I just like to cut down a lot of trees. I'm down to like one tree. <laughs> no, here's what happened in my backyard was... Uh, Trees that I'd had planted originally when I first moved in died, but then a couple wild trees grew, and I don't want those wild trees because the, um, uh, the roots will push up against the wall of the swimming pool. So that's what I'm excited about doing right now is cutting down a tree. 
and talking to you guys. Hey, great stuff coming up. Always check out jpscomedyclub.com. Uh, JP's Comedy Club, 8, 860 East Warner Road, Gilbert, Arizona. Uh, Going there with a man who puts salt on his pizza, Jim Perry. We'll uh, take your uh, money, uh, really low ticket prices, $15, and uh, find you a place to seat. And if you want a, a nice cold beer or a uh, tasty diet Pepsi, he's going to bring them to you. All right? All right, fantastic. Safe social distance seating there. Hopefully this pandemic's going to be in a rearview mirror soon, very soon. Okay, but right now we've got safe, safe social distancing entertainment for your JP's Comedy Club, jpscomedyclub.com. Have you ever thought about doing a workshop uh, on public speaking or stand-up comedy? You're just looking to have some fun or start a career. Please go to comedyschools.com. That's my website, and you can sign up for one of our uh, free introductory nights or just go ahead and sign up, and we'll get you on your way. Good stuff coming up. I want to thank Michael Finney. Comic magician extraordinaire for a great weekend at JP's Comedy Club. I got more funny people coming up for you there, along with uh, other venues very, very soon I'll be telling you about. All right, I've got five minutes to get to the music. And we're still working from this. Here we go. Scream shout. Okay. Big scream and shout. I always forget the bag on there. There's the bag. It's in blue. See, that's why. Big scream and shout. The Big Old Box of 60 Soul. This is a compilation put together by the Rhino, uh, Rhino Records. I got this way back in the 90s, late 90s. It was a Christmas present, and it's one of the most incredible compilations. Rhino always did great stuff. Compilations of uh, soul and rhythm and blues music ever put together. Um, it's shaped like a box that carries 45s. You open it up. Looks like it's got 45s in it. Okay, I've taken one out. That's when we're going to talk about one song here today, one of my all-time favorite songs they get a kick out of from when I was a kid. Uh, it looks like a 45 in its sleeve. We've talked about this if you watch the show. You take it out. looks like a 45 record. Put it on a turntable. Switch it from 78, 33, 45. Put it on 45. I played a song. But it's not. It's a trick. Because in it is a CD. That's what Rhino Records did. Very cool. The number of songs on this CD are incredible. I just might stick with this all month. Uh, Sweet Soul Music by Arthur Connolly. Sissy Strut by The Meters. Harlem, Harlem Shuffle by Bob and Earl. Original version, a lot of you know from the Rolling Stones. Um, Some Kind of Wonderful by Soul Brother Styx. Once again, most uh, a lot of people that I know know it from Grand Funk Railroad. Uh, Love is Like an Itch into My Heart by The Supremes. Another Dozier Holland Dozier uh, hit, I believe. Uh... Sack it to him, JB, part one. Can I get a witness by Marvin Gray? Gay, Marvin Gray. The Real Nitty Gritty by Shirley Ellis. There's just a lot on here. I've only got a couple minutes. A song we're going to recommend, okay, today, because we're going to recommend a lot of these, okay, is uh, Tighten Up by Archie Bell and the Drells. Archie Bell and the Drells were a rhythm and blues band out of Houston, Texas. And how do we know we're used out of Houston, Texas? Because ah, they open up the song. Hi, everybody. I'm Archie Bell. We're Archie Bell and the Drills. We come from Houston, Texas. And we dance just as good as we want. Ba -da -da -da. And they did a song called The Tighten Up. Do the Tighten Up right now. And to this day, it is ear candy for me. It's not earworm, it's ear candy. And if you were listening to RB music at all, or even listen to pop music, because that broke through in the pop music charts, you know this song. And if you don't know the song, please listen to it. Realize how infectious and fun it was. 
Uh, Archie Bell, not too long after that, was drafted in the Army, went to Vietnam. He uh, returned from tour of duty, but they never achieved uh, the level of success that, uh, that their first big hit made us all think they would uh, achieve later on. One big hit, maybe a one-hit wonder, but man, what a song, The Tighten Up by Archie Bell and the Drills. Please listen to it. It's a lot of fun. The opening is just a kick. It's just a blast. You just hear a guy who put together a record with really, you have to say there was probably no guidance on it. He just goes, all right, I'm going to do what I want. We're going to do what we want. And they put together this great tune, all right, The Tighten Up. That's it for the day, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed listening. I'm going to get back to my backyard, do myself some backyard work. And then later on tonight, I'm going to make some sausage and peppers. I'll tell you how that turns out as well. I got a recipe for sausage and peppers. Tell you all about that. We're going to have the best Sunday weekend. You have the best Sunday you can do. Do one positive thing today. If all 340 or 360 million of us do at least one positive thing today, that is a powerful statement. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you've been watching Living on a Thin Line with Tony Vizek. I'll see you tomorrow at 2. Bye-bye.